0: Civilized and small by the powers that you possess places you On the badlands as a child Where the dust devils dance On the dreams of the high
1: je every breath,
2: i to do good, but I can't stay right. The wrong in me came out tonight. Waging war against the law of my mind. I'm a wretched man in a losing fight. Thanks be to God who delivers me. To God who delivers me. Christ, Christ alone, come and set me free. Thanks be to God who delivers me. And I love the truth, I've seen the light. But the shadow inside is still alive. I am the battlefield I am the fight who will heal me from these wounds I hide thanks be to God who delivers me thanks be to God who delivers me Christ, Christ alone, come and set me free Thanks be to God who delivers me. be to god who delivers me thanks be to god who delivers me christ christ alone come and set me free thanks be to god who delivers me
3: Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for our service this morning. If you're new here, my name is Jay. I am the director of worship. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much for doing that. We are glad that you're here as well. I'm going to begin our call to worship uh, with a reading from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. And this is a bit of a kind of bad news, good news passage. Um, So listen to this. um, Prepare your hearts for worship. And... Listen to these words. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from, from the, the law, Lord. although the, the law and prophets are witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned or fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. So that he might be just in the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let me pray for us as we begin. Oh God, what what sorrowful yet joyful news to be reminded of this morning. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. The reality is that the law condemns. It does not save. It points out our brokenness. It does not heal us. But thank you, God, for Christ. For in Christ all can be saved through faith. What glorious news. God, may we sing of this fountain of blood in which our sin stains are washed. May we sing with fresh eyes with fresh hearts, fresh minds. May we glory in our Redeemer who looks on us in compassion and makes a way for us to be saved. Holy Spirit, would you be with us? Would you lift our hearts as we lift our voices? Help us to remember your mercy and grace toward us. We love you, God. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's sing together. Yeah. God the Uncreated One.
4: The Uncreated One, the author of salvation, who wrote the laws of space and time and fashioned worlds to His desire. stars like chandeliers, knows a grain of sand, knows the heart of every man. He is King forever, He is King forever, He is King forevermore. God, our fortress. God, our fortress and our strength, the rock on which we can depend. Matchless in his majesty, his power and authority. Unshaken by the schemes of man, never changing great i am kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall he is faithful through it all
3: Mighty God in mortal flesh, mighty God in
4: mortal flesh, forsaken by a traitor's kiss, the curse of sin and centuries did pierce a lowly prince of peace. Oh, lifted high the sinless man. They crucified the spotless lamb. Buried by the sons of men. But he was rescued by the Father's hand To so reign as King forever. Reign as King forever. Reign as King forevermore. King eternal. and shouts and saints adore your holy 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 lord what joy in everlasting life when all is love and faith beside? justice rose and praises rise at the name of jesus christ king of peace forever forever.
2: Good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Oh, and I've heard a thousand stories of what They think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night as you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers, far. Just what we need before we say a word You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Because you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Oh, in love, so undeniable, I I can hardly speak peace, so unexplainable, I, I can hardly think as you call me, deeper still as you call me still as you call me, deeper still into love, 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 you're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. ways, to us, yes you are, you are perfect in all of your ways, you are perfect in all of your ways, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us, You may be seated.
5: Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community, walking with God in our city. To those of you uh, who are feeling tired and run down and even um, just kind of done with it this morning, I hope and pray that you will rest in Jesus. To those of you who are feeling discouraged, remember that God is not a God of discouragement, um, and I hope that you will, by the power of the Spirit, do battle against Satan, and the spiritual forces of evil, who are arrayed against us, and want to discourage us, remembering that God is far more powerful than him. I would love to get to know you. We would love to get to know you. There's a couple of ways that we can do that. One, come chat with me after the service. I'd love to say hello. Our staff would love to greet you, um, get to know you a little bit better. We also we give you a bulletin when you walk in the door each morning, and we have this connection card that you'll find in the bulletin. Uh, please consider filling that out with your prayer requests. Uh, Put your name on it if you want. You can make it anonymous. We pray for you all the same. We pray for you on Tuesdays during our staff meetings or on Mondays sometimes. And just stick these in the seat pocket uh, that are right in front of you, and we'll pick them up after the service. Uh, This is also a great way to get in touch with us, to get connected with our church. We're very responsive to these. We'll get back to you usually in a couple of days. You can ask us questions on here, indicate interest in the life of our church. Um, We worship a generous God, part of our responsive worship. As the people of God is giving generously, you can give online, citychurchgnvcom slash give, or there's a brown box back there with some envelopes, and that's available at any time. I'm going to give a couple of announcements, uh, and then we'll have a, a kind of a unique ministry spotlight that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and the announcements, there's there's two themes here, prayer, and I guess what we're calling adult education, although we need to find a much more glamorous name for it. Uh, here's, here's the deal with prayer. We are coming up on our week of fasting and prayer, uh, that begins not this week but the next week on Monday. So this will be um, the 23rd through the 27th. 23rd through the 27th, we're going to have it at 5:30 in the white tents across the street from us. Um, every night, 5:30, like 35 minutes or so of prayer. If it's raining or anything like that, we'll come into our sanctuary and pray. Um, I say this every single time we do it, but I really mean it this time. This is, I mean, this. I don't know what we're doing if we're not praying right now. As, as the people of God. If there's ever been a time for us to be in deep prayer uh, for our church family and for our city, it is right now. And so I, I am pleading with you, basically, to come join us in prayer on these nights um, at 5.30 if you're able to make it, and then we encourage you, um, whether or not you're able to make it to those gatherings, to actually uh, pray as well during the lunch hour each day and fast if you're able to physically and medically fast that day um, during the lunch hour so you're not eating from Breakfast until dinner time, you're praying. We're going to have a prayer prompts. Uh, there's a, there's a theme each night. We're also going to put out prayer prompts for you during, so you'll have something each lunch hour to pray through. So we're going to give you a guide that's coming out next week. So just be um, on the lookout for that. We'll make sure that you can find that. And just as a reminder, since I haven't mentioned this in a while, every Wednesday night we meet for prayer at 5:30. So even when we're not doing the week of prayer, we always meet every Wednesday night, 5:30. White tents in the same location, and again, if it's raining, then we'll come in here and pray. So even if you can't come that week, know that every Wednesday night we're in prayer for different things and kind of on a rotation life for our church, so that's, that's what's up with prayer. Uh, you'll notice, you might have gathered this already, we're making an even bigger push this year um, as a church to provide more opportunities for adult education, and there's a few things that are going on um, that we want you to know about. First of all, for women here at City Church, we are doing a study in the book of Joshua, that begins um, in September. And we're offering it in two formats, Lord willing. So you'll have a a Monday night option at eight o'clock to study um, on Zoom. So this is for people that would prefer to be on Zoom or just can't make it um, any other time. Monday nights are the best. So eight o'clock Zoom option that you can sign up for. Uh, And it basically runs through the whole fall semester. Or we're offering a Tuesday morning um, in-person session at the church with childcare. Same study. So that's every every Tuesday morning starting on the 14th. So on the 13th, Monday night, we'll be launching um, the Zoom one, then Tuesday morning in-person here child child care is provided. It's the first time we've ever done that, actually, a study like that on a Tuesday morning with child care. So it's an exciting step for our church family. So that's happening. We are also partnering with Creekside Community Church and our denominations uh, Jacksonville uh, District to launch a, a Spanish Bible study that begins on the evening of September 2nd. So September 2nd, uh, that will be starting. um, The whole Bible study will be in Spanish. I'm making sure I have that date right. Yep, 7 o'clock, September 2nd. If you're interested in that, um, put something on your connection card, we'll follow up with you. This is a pioneering kind of thing that we're doing. Uh, We'll say more about it as the date comes closer, but we want to let you know that that's so. We had a soft launch a few weeks ago, uh, and then we're going to go full blast starting September 2nd at 7 o'clock. And then finally, uh, this fall, starting on September 13th, so a lot of these things are launching in September. And this will be concurrent with uh, uh, Joshua's study that's going on. We're actually launching a, a study called uh, A Biblical Theology of Marriage. And so that's um, launching on Monday, September 13th, uh, here in the sanctuary at 7 o'clock. So from 7 to 8.45. And we're kind of going to be doing a couple of things. We're going to be talking about what is biblical theology. Um, as opposed to like systematic theology. What's the difference? What does biblical theology bring to the table? Why does it matter? And then, of course, we're going to be applying that to the theme of marriage. So we're going to be starting in the book of Genesis, going to Revelation from cover to cover, just seeing what does the Bible have to say about marriage. Um, human marriage, uh, the, the whole concept of marriage between uh, Jesus and his church, um, whole theme of spiritual adultery, we're going to be going through all of that. It's going to be Um, Starting September and going all the way until the beginning of November. I'll be teaching that for the most part and I'll be here 7 to 8.45, September 13th. I would love to see you there. We're putting a lot of work into this. um, So hopefully you'll take advantage of it and join us and there'll be opportunities for discussion. Um, So hopefully we will see you there. Okay, here's the thing that I've really been looking forward to. Uh, We started kind of a new rhythm back um, when we came back into our space where we are hoping each month to spotlight various people in the life of our church, uh, specifically uh, kind of the works of the Lord that are happening in that person's life. Um, Some of these stories will be mega encouraging. Some of these stories will be hard. uh, But we want to give people in the life of our church the mic and say, hey, what is God doing in your life? We heard from Leah Carroll recently Uh, This morning, we're actually hearing from Landon Stinson, who's prepared really well for this, and we're grateful for him. So every month, you'll have this spotlight on somebody in the life of our church. What is God doing in your life? How is he using the church family uh, to encourage you, to support you? Um, God's doing a lot. This is why we want you to hear about it. also, you're probably tired of hearing myself and Ryan. We've been talking to you for like eight or nine years now, so you need to hear from somebody else. So let's go ahead and give... Landon, a very warm applause.
6: Good morning. On June 12th, 2005, Steve Jobs gave the commencement address at Stanford University's graduation. At that time, he had taken a small business from a bedroom in his parents' home to one of the most valuable companies in the world. Reflecting on his cancer diagnosis and other turbulent times in his personal life and career, he said this, and I quote, again, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and has made all the difference in my life. The Jobs quote brings to mind some scripture from our James sermon series a few months ago. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Or Romans. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. I think Steve Jobs was right. It is a lot easier to connect the dots looking forward, looking backwards. However, if someone believes in Jesus Christ and believes what the Bible says, you can unlock a new feature for life, a new operating system for your life that Steve Jobs didn't mention. With Jesus, we don't have to wait until afterwards to connect the dots we can connect the dots before they even happen because we know it's all working for our good. I'm still downloading the pre-dot connection as I trend towards anxiety and worrying. Over the past few months, there have been times where it was easy to praise God instantaneously, and there have been other times where I struggled. For example, over the past few months, we found out that Leslie, my wife, is pregnant with our first child. Praise God. We found out uh, we had our first Sunday back uh, in our church building together after over a year outside and on Zoom. Praise God. I had a very difficult, uh, several very difficult run-ins with mental health uh, when things weren't going well at work and people in business were mean to me. Praise God. Our friends and family (laughs) moved all of our stuff to a house this past weekend, which ultimately had mold and was in disrepair. We were inconvenienced for the past week, and now we moved again. It was both embarrassing and emotionally and financially draining. Praise God. I'm sure people here today, I know people here today, have had tougher times than these. It is hard to do alone. That's where community comes in, I think. Every time I forget that God is good, every time I forget that the dots are only connected towards good, there is a believer there to encourage me and remind me of Jesus's promises. A prayer with Leslie, counsel and prayer from people in City Church when I call them, such as Mark Samansky, Matt Barr, Chipper Flanagan, Zach West, Ryan Harding, the Kesslings, Will Harris, the women and men, and our community group, the list goes on. We are so thankful for fellow believers and friends who are one step removed from our difficult dots and can help remind us, even through prayer, that we don't have to wait until afterwards to connect the dots. We don't have to achieve worldly success to make sense of hard times. You don't need riches in your life to make sense of the rags. We don't have to trust in karma, our gut. We don't have to hope in good external circumstances, hindsight, or self-care for our joy. We do have the ability to connect the dots looking forward through rejoicing in the trials. In conclusion, because God said all things work together for good, and because it's hard to remember God's promises in the midst of trouble, I encourage you to have a few people from your faith community on speed dial for counsel and prayer. And I encourage you to be there uh, when someone else needs the same.
5: Ryan's going to come up and bring the word for us this morning. I'm going to pray for Landon um, before he takes his seat. I'm really grateful for you sharing. Lord, we do lift up, first of all, these difficult circumstances that Landon and Leslie have been dealing with, especially this past week, with their uh, two moves and the difficulties of that cause. I just pray that this new living situation would be um, beautiful and bountiful and give them outrageous opportunities to connect um, with their neighbors and, and love them well. I also pray that Landon's testimony would encourage us as the body of Christ to Keep our eyes open to see how we might serve one another spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I pray that this would help us remember that ultimately, Christian community means having sensitive radars and in, in in looking out uh, for the benefit of those who are sitting around us, even today, instead of really consuming and looking out for ourselves. And Lord, we do uh, pray that you would even now inspire somebody in the life of our church uh, to 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 share next month that you would that this would be a momentum builder in our church community, that people would be uh, lining up to talk about the power of God at work in their lives. We thank you for laying and Leslie. We thank you that we're part of our church. Be with them as they uh, go through this pregnancy. Protect their child. Um, we love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
7: Go. Eh, that was great. I thought Chipper was going to come up and say, Let's close in prayer, because that was, that was a good word, man. Uh, thanks, Landon. I appreciate that. Um, guys, we are, I'm Ryan, one of the pastors. Great to get to bring the word this morning. And we are going to look at Psalm 33. So we've just finished our Ezra and Nehemiah series that we were in through at least the summer, I believe, maybe some of the spring. I don't remember now. It's been a while. Uh, and we're going to start a new series. Uh, kind of a, a relaunch series for this year, beginning next week. Um, and then, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know, we're going to do 2 Corinthians for most of the, this school year. So get excited about that. You can start reading and praying through that. But this is sort of a one-off um, week, if you will, and, uh, and so I wanted to just look at Psalm 33, something that the Lord has been putting on my heart as of late. So if you have uh, your Bibles, I invite you to open those up and follow along. You can also follow along on the screen. This will be in the NIV, so if you have an ESV, whew, quick curveball. Uh, I don't know, pull out your phone, I guess, or just follow along. Uh, let's, if you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp, make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true, he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the sides of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord... Are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord this, uh, Lord, this psalm resonates deeply with my heart and my soul, and I think many of us here, we want to praise you and exalt you and also pray that our hope, our trust would be in you. Um, Lord, would you meet us this morning as we spend time exalting you, lifting high your name. Uh, would you be glorified? Would you be made much of? And Lord, would you give us faith? Open the eyes of our hearts. Open open our ears, Lord. Make us receptive to, to receive this truth and, and and press it down deep into our hearts. Water by your Spirit and, and bring about uh, growth and fruit for your glory. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, well, what do you praise in life? In your own experience, what things do you speak most of and think most highly of? What do you delight to share with others most? You know, there are all kinds of things that we praise. Uh, We praise what we respect or what we admire. So co-workers or employees who work hard, who give everything they've got. Heroes who stand up for what's right, even when it's unpopular, leaders who, in the midst of uncertainty, rise to the occasion and and, and chart a path forward, single parents who work tirelessly to provide for their kids. When we see discipline and selflessness and devotion, we can't help but praise that. We we also praise what we enjoy, travel, taking vacation, uh, spending holidays with family, well, you know, maybe, uh, depends on family, I guess, hobbies and, that energize us and help us to learn and grow good food and drink, you know, maybe a, a good pasta dish, or if you're like me, a good chocolate cake. I think like every sermon I reference dessert. I don't have a problem. Uh, the beauty of creation, we pr- you know, we praise the good, restful, creative, beautiful things that we get to experience in this world. But perhaps most of all, We praise what we adore. Our most cherished friends who are near us through the brightest and the darkest moments of life. Our closest companions, whom we confide in and support, and who we lean on ourselves. Our beloved pet, Fido, who chews up our slippers and pees on our mattress, but who leaps for joy every day when you walk home through the door. Our spouse, our children, our parents our siblings, those who in in the healthiest environment have known us the longest and the best and are the closest to our heart. When you think about it, we praise a lot of things, either quietly and inwardly in the attitudes and thoughts of our hearts or or vocally with our words and letters and posts and emails and thank you notes. We can't help but praise. It's kind of like a kid during show-and-tell you know, with your, your pet frog who does backflips or your transformer toy or your rock collection or whatever that thing is, we are eager and excited to talk about what we hold dear. And that reality is the foundation for the psalm that we just read. This psalm is a beckoning to praise God. It's not merely instruction, but it's a song wooing us to, to exalt God. The psalmist implores us and invites us as the listeners to to sing joyfully and loudly, to join the chorus, to to make music, to play instruments skillfully, to shout for joy. It's the scene of jubilation, of excitement, of thankfulness, of satisfaction in God. And the psalm is so compelling because of the portrait that it paints for us. It's a picture of a God who is worthy of our praise. You know, in this last year, we have spent so much time <laughs> thinking about the things that are difficult and the things that are painful and the things that are challenging and that are negative, and rightfully so. You know, we've had to. But I wanted to end this summer with a time of celebration, with a time of, of praise and thanksgiving to God because he is worthy of our praise and deserving of our praise. So in this morning we're going to follow the model of the psalm. We're just going to devote most of our time to praising God. We're going to ruminate on why God is worthy of our praise. And then at the very end we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about how to live a praise-filled life. So we'll start with a praise-worthy God. You have to begin by asking the question, why is God worthy of our praise? And of course, that entirely depends on who God is and what he is like. The way that we view God is going to determine how we respond to him. And there are a few modern, secular views of God that are are popular in our day. So uh, the first view is that God is absent. And this view sees God either as uh, non-existent and therefore uh, you know, actually absent, or kind of unimportant and irrelevant to life, and so therefore figuratively absent. This view is represented in the sociological trend of the so-called nuns in our society. Those are people who, not you know, nuns with the garb and all that, but the N-O-N-E-S, that is those who uh, answer no religious belief or affiliation on surveys. And so folks in this category either have no view of God or are indifferent towards God or they just don't believe that there is a God. A second popular view is that God is distant. Uh, That God is distant. That is, this view uh, believes in a God who maybe created the universe and set everything into motion, but who since then has been kind of hands-off. He sort of left the world to run on its own, without any supernatural intervention or revelation. This would be kind of a a deistic view of God. God is the so-called watchmaker. Uh, There's evidence for generally for his existence, but he's he's distant, he's far away. And because he's removed, who's to say what he's like or how we should relate to him? And then a third popular view of God is is, uh, that God is generic. This is the equate version, you know, the brand at Walmart. Uh, This view sees God as an abstract higher power. In this framework, God is maybe, maybe he exists, you know, he's likely to exist, but he's indefinite. He doesn't fit into the description of any major world religions, but rather he's this kind of composite of characteristics or values that we would like God to have, you know. And so in this thinking, God often is seen through this very pragmatic and populist, Lens, Whatever works and whatever is most liked, that is what God is. So that's often, you know, in, in secular society, in, in, uh, out in the world, most people are going to fit into one of those three views of God. But what do we make of those things? Often they are the result of unconsidered or unresolved questions about important existential matters, like the questions of meaning, or morality, or suffering, or destiny. But when we really press those views to their logical conclusions, we find out that they're they're really roads that end with a dead end. You know, viewing God as absent results ultimately in existential emptiness. We we have to construct our own meaning, but a life spent on actualizing our self-generated meaning turns out to not be all that meaningful. Uh, Viewing God as distant leads to a life of uncertainty, perhaps a lack of empathy, or even a fatalistic worldview. And the generic God really ends up just being a blown-up version of ourselves in the sky, with all our cultural blind spots and imperfections writ large. And so this leaves us stuck in this quagmire of relativism without any objective authority to arbitrate between contradictory values and beliefs. But what's the alternative to the modern notions of God? Well, when we turn to the scriptures, we see a far more beautiful, more powerful, more compelling God, one who for a million reasons in one is desirable and delightful and praiseworthy, We discover a God that is praiseworthy because of who he is. Look at the attributes that are listed here in this psalm. The word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The Lord speaks what is right and true. God himself is the source of truth. And therefore, all that he says and reveals is true and good. You know, if you watch This Old House or any HGTV show or you've done some home improvement or whatever, maybe you've you've done some, some woodworking projects or you, you've seen someone put a door in or something like that. And when you go to h- hang a door, uh, you get the pre-hung door, you have the rough opening, and you set it in there. And it's really important that you get it level, that you get it plumb, and that you get it square. Uh, and if you don't, there's going you know, to be problems. If it's not level or plumb or square or whatever, then it's going to be catching, it's going to hit something. You know, you're going to wonder why you open the door and it always swings open, or it, it, never, it never stays open, it always swings shut. It's because it wasn't level or plumb or square in some way. And so when you, when you go to put the door in, what do you do? You set, it, you set the, the hinge side against the jam, and you push it in, and then you take a level and you set it up against the jam. And you look to see if it's plumb and if it's level, and then you start shimming it and get it all right, and then finally you nail it off. We need something to tell us what's plumb. We need something to tell us what is level. We need something to apply to our lives, to show this is rightly ordered or not. This is in line or out of line. And God himself is our level. He is the standard by which everything else is properly oriented. God's word is our plumb line. He speaks what is right and true. He reveals what is correctly ordered. And when we align our hearts and lives to that, we live as we are intended to, as we're designed to. And when we don't, our lives are always catching somewhere here or there. Praise God. Praise God that he reveals this to us. He doesn't leave us to flounder to guess to try to figure out what is correct through trial and error. He speaks. He reveals, he informs us. And he does so generously and graciously. Next, the Lord is faithful. God is trustworthy. He is steadfast. He is loyal. He never leaves us or forsakes us. The apostle Paul says, "The Lord is faithful. And he will establish you and guard you from the evil one. He also writes, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. In the Old Testament, God called the prophet Hosea, maybe one of the hardest callings that I can think of in the Old Testament. He called this prophet to marry a woman that he knew would be unfaithful to him. For the specific purpose of his life being an illustration to the Israelites of the unfaithfulness of the people of God. And yet Hosea was to remain faithful just as God remained faithful to us. Praise God who is faithful to us even when we were unfaithful to him. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. How often do righteousness and justice get pitted against one another in our modern day? How often is the, even the modern political discourse divided along the lines of righteousness and justice? The God of all the universe cares about and desires both of these. On the one hand, God wants his people to live godly lives. There is absolute truth and objective morality, and we should conform our lives to it. But on the other hand, he cares for the vulnerable, and he wants our society to pursue justice. He gave specific instruction to his people to care for those most at risk, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the sojourner. God wants justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Praise God. Our Lord's heart is big enough to care about both our personal and collective holiness as well as the provision for those in need. And he loves when we do the same. And the last thing we see here about uh, about God is that the Lord fills the earth with his unfailing love. God cares for us with an everlasting, indescribable love. As the Apostle Paul writes, how deep and high and long and wide is the love of Christ. The depth of God's love for us is beyond measure and beyond comprehension. And God has freely, willingly chosen to love us. When we did not deserve it, he poured out his love on us. Though we rejected him, scorned him, ran from him, he pursued us. And now he offers us restoration and forgiveness. He did so at infinite cost to himself, the suffering of Jesus, the Son of God, for the sake of our souls. I'm reminded of uh, the quote of the the man who was in an inpatient psychiatric hospital who, at the end of his life, when uh, the attendants came in after he had passed, came in to clean out his room, they saw written across the walls this beautiful poem. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Praise God, who loves us sinners, wretched and forgetful and stubborn as we are. He loves us unfailingly. In all of this, we get a glimpse, a glimpse of who God is and how amazing he is. And that he is praiseworthy for his character but we also see that he is praiseworthy because of his actions, because of what he does. In this psalm, we see God created with breathtaking power. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. God spoke, and all creation came into existence with a word God made billions and billions of galaxies and trillions of planets and stars all burst out into the universe. With a word, God created light, air, color, and sound. With a word, God filled the earth with vegetation and shrubs and trees that bloom and produce the beauty of flowers and fruit and vegetables for us to eat. With a word, God made life from the smallest single-cell organism to the most complex living creature God spoke and matter was formed. God spoke and the universe was ordered. Whatever God spoke, it was so. The uh, astronomer Dr. Uh, Peter Edwards with the University of Durham spoke of the vastness of the universe uh, when he was talking about what the the Hubble telescope revealed to us. He said on a YouTube video, he said, you will never ever get your head around how big the universe is. It's enormous. There's no way, I think, that the human mind can comprehend the true immensity of the universe. We're happy with the size of an elephant or the size of a tree or maybe even the size of a cathedral, he says, as he stands outside the Durham Cathedral. But if we go beyond that, our brains just start to run out of gas. He said, we pointed the Hubble telescope at what appeared to be a very ordinary patch of the night sky. If you imagine holding up your finger with a single grain of sand, And looking at that patch of sky uh, that the grain of sand blocks out, that's the field that the Hubble telescope zoomed in to. And what that telescope saw was incredible. There were 10,000 galaxies in a patch of sky the size of a grain of sand held out at arm's length. In this tiny patch of sky, if this tiny s- patch of sky is like every other then we calculate we can calculate how many galaxies are out there the visible universe contains around 100 billion galaxies each one of those galaxies contains around 100 billion stars that means that the visible universe contains something like 10 thousand million 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 stars that means so try to do that in your head that means there are more stars In the visible universe, then there are grains of sand on the earth. Praise God, who both can and does use his unlimited power to create, to give, to order, to fill, and to bring life. We see that God rules sovereignly over creation. It says he gathers the waters of sea into jars. The effort that it takes you and I to fill up a Nalgene before we go out on a walk is the equivalent work it takes for God to bottle all the water of the oceans. And with this power and authority, the Lord watches over his creation. He's not absent. He's not distant. Rather, he, he who forms the hearts of all considers what we do. He is integrally involved in our life in our existence. He is ever-present and watchful, desiring for his people to trust him. Praise God who watches over and guides his creation. And finally, God works his redemptive purposes in this world. It says, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. God not only created all the world and all the universe and rules over it sovereignly, he also continuously works his purposes out in creation. And his purpose is clear. To delight in his creation and to have his creation delight in him all to his glory. And God has done this by working to restore and redeem us out of our life of sin and back to himself. The purpose for which God is working in this world is our good and his glory, and specifically our good and his glory in our redemption. The heart of God is to save us from our brokenness and our sin and bring us into an eternal relationship with him forever. This last week I was just thinking about the magnitude of of heaven. What will it be like to be in the presence of God for all eternity, the fullness of love, the fullness of God's glory, the fullness of his majesty, with no sin and no sickness and no sorrow, gathered together with every other person who trusts in Christ, praising him for all eternity? What will that be like? Joni Erickson Tada um, was interviewed by Nancy Guthrie uh, recently, And if you're not familiar with her story, Joni Erickson-Tada had a diving accident back in the 60s that left her at 17 years old, a quadriplegic, in a wheelchair. And in this interview, Joni expressed this perspective of what she's looking forward to most about heaven. And she said this, you know, you look at me in the wheelchair, paralyzed for 52 years, and most people would think you're looking forward to a new body. And yeah, that's one of those fringe benefits. But I'm looking forward to a new heart, a heart free of manipulating others with precisely timed phrases, a heart free of fudging the truth, a heart free from hogging the spotlight, believing my own press releases, a heart free of not believing the best of others, a heart free of caving into fear or anxiety about the future. I can't wait to have a heart free of sin. Praise God who from the foundation of the earth was working for our salvation and who invites us into an eternal life with him forever, restored, renewed, reconciled, and redeemed by his grace through Christ our Savior. Praise God. How do we live lives that are filled with praise daily? We see... Uh, just to, in the last few minutes here, we see in the in the last few verses, at the beginning there's this call to praise God, and the last few verses give us kind of a meditation, a reflection, uh, even an application to life. He says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I think we get a a paradigm for analyzing our heart and turning it in praise to God. And uh, we can use three questions on a daily basis. What am I hoping in? What am I trusting in? And what am I looking to for love? Because the way we live lives filled with delight in and praise to God is to make the Lord the object of all of those things. We must daily hope in the Lord. We have to remember that nothing in this world compares to knowing God. Every career, every individual, every dollar will eventually end, die, or be lost. They're fleeting hopes, but the Lord will never fade. He will never leave us. He will never be lost. We have him now and for all eternity if we are his. And so each day, we renew our hope in the Lord. We must daily trust in the Lord. The size of an army, the strength of a warrior, the the speed of a horse. The psalmist lists three things that are tempting, that would have been tempting in that day, to depend on for deliverance. Things that appear solid and reliable and trustworthy. And yet, we are given a reality check here. To depend on our own strength or the strength of something else is foolishness god is the greatest strength the greatest power and the one who rules over all creation god is the one who delivers everything else will eventually falter so we must daily renew our confidence and trust in the lord let us trust in his name and not our own and lastly we must daily abide in the lord The very end of the psalm turns from praise to petition where the author says, may your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord. We already know that the love of the Lord fills the earth and we know that it is unfailing. So if the psalmist believes that, what is the point of this prayer? It must not be merely to know that God is love, but to experience God as love for God's love to rest upon us. And that is the key. As we mentioned earlier, the things that we praise most are the things that we love most. And so if we want to sincerely, diligently praise God with all our lives, we need to regularly experience the love of God to the depths of our being. We need to be drenched in, immersed in, filled with the love of God. We need to encounter the real living God and know his love firsthand. And we see that love perfectly in Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father loved the Son, so has he loved you. Each day we must ask, what am I looking to for love? And if it is anything besides Christ, fix your eyes back on him again. I want to end with a, a spoken word, not my own. I'm not that creative. Uh, this comes from Isaac Wimberly. Uh, he th- I think it's, it's called The Word. It's uh, in a, a Kerry Job song, if you're familiar with that, but he also performs it elsewhere. If there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my brain has not yet reached the point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of his love. And my voice, you see, my voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits, that it's hard to even sing the praise of, you see, if there are words for him, then I don't have them. My God, his grace is remarkable, mercies are innumerable, strength is impenetrable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He is unsearchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable, indescribable yet personal. He is beyond all comprehension, further than imagination, constant through generations, king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my words are few, and to try to capture the one true God using my vocabulary will never do. But I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a savior, a savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise. So I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses his name forever. He has won my heart, captured my mind, and bound them together. He has defeated me in my rebellion, conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into his presence, completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning, drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for him, I don't have them. But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do. For words are just tools that we use to point to the truth. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created, giving nothingness formation. And by his word he sustains, in the power of his name. For he is before all things, and over all things he reigns. Holy is his name, so praise him for his life. The way he persevered in strife, the humble son of God becoming the perfect Sacrifice. Praise him for his death, that he willingly stood in our place, that he lovingly endured the grave, that he battled our enemy and on the third day rose in victory. He is everything that was promised. Praise him as your risen king. Lift your voice and sing. For one day he will return for us and we will finally be united with our Savior for eternity. So it's not just words that I proclaim. For my words point to the word, and the word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Praise his name forever. Amen. We're going to turn now to the Lord's Supper. Every Sunday we spend time uh, reflecting on what Christ has done for us, his body broken for us, his blood poured out for us, the cost of our redemption. Uh, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples. And during that meal, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Later on during the meal, he took the cup and pouring it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul says that uh, when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, that we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So we are actively right now exalting, praising the Lord for what he has done his sacrifice for our salvation, and we're looking ahead to that day when we'll be with him, when he will return, and we'll be with him in glory. Um, a few words of instruction before we uh, go to the table. Uh, we'll have a, a few minutes of silence, and uh, then the band will come back up. We'll have some more music and, and worship, and so we invite you during this time to just to reflect, to pray, to confess, Um If there's anyone that you need to talk to between now and then, go and make peace and be reconciled with your brothers. Um, This is a great opportunity to do that. And then there'll be a couple of stations, some deacons or elders here and here with uh, pre-packaged communion kits, and so you're welcome to come up and uh, receive that, or if you are more comfortable kind of self-serving, then there's uh, there are kits back there on the welcome table as well. This is open to anyone who's a follower of Jesus. So you don't have to come here regularly or be a member or anything like that um, if you're here and that doesn't describe you we're thrilled that you're here and considering these things and we just encourage you to use this time to reflect if you'd like to talk more or, or pray about this or if any of you guys would like prayer we do encourage you to fill out that connection card or come and get one of the elders or deacons in the lobby uh, after the after communion let me pray for us Lord thank you. Thank you for your unfailing love that fills the earth. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. This morning, remind us of that love poured out on the cross. Remind us of your love. And may we trust in you. May the things that we tend to hope in, that we trust in, that we look to for deliverance, that we put our confidence in, God. Reveal those as empty and fleeting. And may we see you as the one true living God, worthy and deserving of our praise and all of our life. Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in Christ's name.
8: storm or drought on the rock that does not move I will say
3: with us.
9: Man
10: of sorrows, a lamb of God, by his own betrayed, this of sin has no hold on me whom the sun sets for. free always oh, free indeed now my day is paid it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled now the curse of sin has no hold on sign
5: Thank you for joining us this morning in worship. I hear this benediction, and then we'll sing the doxology together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. Praise God from
4: whom all blessings flow.
3: Go in peace.